Today is Wednesday, December 20th, 2023. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. Is there a huge market crash on the near horizon? We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast. We're bringing you news from a Christian perspective. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating. You can email us as well, quickstartpodcast at cbn.org. Joining me now, get through that news of the crate. Billy Hallowell, Trey Gons Phillips. Gentlemen, happy hump day. What's up? Living the dream. Excited to be here. We are living Billy's dream yet again today. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I hope you all are caffeinated and contented, ready to go, because there's a lot to we get are. to. Uh, Billy, I mean, I'm sorry to report the market crash, potentially. At least one person's <laughs> predicting it. So enjoy the ride while you can. Just saying. Uh, yeah. But maybe potentially some uh, storm clouds on the horizon there on the market. We'll, we'll talk about that. Coming up, also, a former lingerie model. She has an incredible testimony, but now is talking about her cancer battle. Yeah, this is a really heartbreaking story, but but also really faith building too. It's Nicole Wider. She uh, will join us, or she did join me recently, rather, to talk about her cancer journey, and so we'll break that down. Looking forward to that. Also on the main thing, Trey, you caught up with Christian singer and worship leader Pat Barrett. Yeah, so he is most well known for probably the song "Build My Life." It came out a few years ago, and we talked about like just writing as a Christian and being theologically accurate. So anyway, it was a fascinating conversation. All right, looking forward to all that and more. But first, we're going to get through the news here in 90 seconds. And as 2024 looms, one outspoken economist is making a dire prediction about the markets in the new year. He said since 2009, it's been 100% artificial unprecedented money printing and deficits 27 trillion over 15 years to be exact this is off the charts which means we're in a dangerous state this is according to harry dent he was talking to fox news he said i think 2024 is going to be the biggest single crash year we'll see in our lifetimes he spent the majority of his career analyzing proprietary research and he says his unorthodox prediction here is due to overvalued markets and excessive stimulus spending. Religious freedom activists have urged members of the U.S. Congress to encourage the Biden administration to designate Nigeria as a country of particular concern after it removed the designation in the last two years. Representative Chris Smith from New Jersey, he's been a regular advocate of international religious freedom he read aloud a letter from more than two dozen religious freedom advocates and entered it into the congressional record. He said the letter submitted to over two dozen members of Congress elaborated on the dire state of religious freedom in Nigeria. And Nikki Haley suggests she's the strongest general election candidate and more in an interview with CBN's David Brody. You can check out that full interview with the link to that interview in uh, the description of this podcast episode. Those are just some of today's top headlines. You can check out more stories over at cbnnews.com. Billy, I know you've been on this story about Nigeria lately, and we've talked about this over the last, probably I'd say year at least, on and off, why Nigeria was removed. It makes absolutely no sense when you look at what's going on there. It's been, it's been absolutely crazy, the persecution that's happening there. Yeah, well, what's 
<clears throat> what's so interesting is that the Trump administration added Nigeria to the list, right? And so the fact that you had the nation added, it's not as though the pressure is, hey, for the first time, put the nation on the list. They were there. They were taken off. And the speculation is that, and we've talked to many people about this, that it's political. There's a political reason for this. And, you know, the politics of it, if it were not for that, then there's no world in which they wouldn't be on the list. And so I don't know. I, I think they're probably not going to be listed again. That's my prediction, but we'll have to see what happens. It's something that I think whether you're officially designated or not, as Christians, it doesn't really matter. We need to be just prayer, prayerful for these situations. But also as a, a kind of the moral leader, you would hope that when we see persecution happening, that we would step up and say, we're adding you to to this list and and we're going to do what we can to, to speak out as kind of having the bully pulpit around the Western world. But I, I feel like so often, uh, at least with s- certain administrations, we end up letting the ball drop and Christian persecution isn't something that's at the top of a radar. Uh, but it definitely should be because even if we're not allocating resources or sending money or sending whatever, we should at least be speaking out about it because I think what American leaders say makes a difference in the world. I mean, and there are millions of Christians living there. And so um, yeah. Look, I mean, we have to be, again, we have to be praying for all people in caught up in these circumstances, which we can't really fathom here in America. I mean, we have, there's a reason why, if you've been following the news as well, on the border, and we're looking to get a report on on the border on in the coming days on this podcast here, but our southern border, it's, it's flooded right now. There are thousands of people coming in at Eagle Pass. If you've seen the videos, just Google that, Eagle Pass, and look at the border crossings that are happening there, it's insane. It's insanity. But why are people coming here? You know, you don't see people flooding in to uh, Spain. You know, they're not running over there in some other random country and flooding in there. I mean, there's some, obviously, but not like to the level we're seeing. And there's a reason for that because it we're blessed here in this country, right? There's It's not perfect. There's Everybody's not just living high on the hog, but relatively we're safe relatively we're secure and it's an incredible blessing that I think we can't fathom what it's like to live in an unstable country. And so, you know, to try to put our mind in in someone else's position and to see what they're dealing with and, and to pray for them and to see where we can help. Maybe um, you come across an organization that's helping in some tangible way. Uh, I know, you know, that um, operation blessing does a lot all over the world. I don't know specifically off the top of my head, what we're doing in Nigeria, but organizations like that that are out there and they're helping people and Christians in different areas, spreading the gospel and then also ministering to Christians. We just need to be doing that as as a body of believers. And praying. I mean, every time you talk to an expert on this, prayer is the number one thing outside of resources and money that they ask for for persecuted Christians. Yeah, Yeah. 100%. 100%. All right. We're going to head on over now to our focus story. And as we mentioned at the top, we've got an ex-Victoria's Secret model. She's asking the public for prayer. She's got a stage four cancer battle going on right now. So what's the story here? Yeah, this is something that we um, we did one story on. We covered it when she announced it on Instagram. Her name is Nicole Weeder. She's 38 years old. Um, and she just discovered that she had cancer last month. So this is only a month old, this news for her. And of course, a stage four cancer diagnosis is very serious. Um, but, you know, she's been sharing her journey. We sat down and talked with her about, and you can watch it over on our YouTube channel, but about what's ahead, how she's relying on her faith to get through it. There's so many different facets of, 
um, her story. You know, but she told us, she's like, look, with, with stage four cancer, when you find out that you have that and you're struggling with it, she fe- is feeling so many different emotions. She talked about the shock she had. That was her first emotion, then feeling overwhelmed and then feeling sad. And she's a wife and a mother of two young kids. And so, you know, there's just a lot going on here. But what's so interesting about Nicole is that she has been very open about sharing her faith over the years. She was a former you know, Victoria's Secret model, as we said, and was in Maxim, a lot of the, those secular magazines before becoming a believer and then found faith and has really shared that journey consistently over the years. And so it's it's interesting to watch her sharing this cancer journey because she already has this platform where people are looking to her and now they're watching how she's weathering a storm, how she's dealing with, you know, one of the most difficult things you could ever hear, which is that you have stage four cancer. How did she find out she had it in the first place? Yeah, it's really um, very bizarre. She found an enlarged lymph node and she assumed that she had an infection, you know, so she, she went to urgent care and she was thinking, I'm going to go to urgent care. They're going to give me an antibiotic and I'll be fine. Um, but once she got there, the doctor came in and he, he sort of felt the spot and he said, this doesn't feel normal. Um, and so he actually ordered a full body scan for her. And this, this was, you know, breast cancer essentially. And <clears throat> it's unclear how it started, but so she's sitting there at this urgent care and she said within 10 minutes, the radiologist came in and told her that she had breast cancer and she was in total shock. You know, she was mm. trying to, she's like, I'm here for an antibiotic. Like I had, she had no idea that this was going on. Um, but in that full body scan, so imagine you go to the doctor, you find out not only do you have breast cancer, but it's spread to your lymph nodes and your liver. And so that's what made it stage four. Um, so it was, you know, a very crazy situation. They admitted her immediately to a local hospital. And again, this is like four or five days before Thanksgiving that she found mm-hmm. this out. So they admit her to the hospital because they knew that she'd be able to get a port put in quicker and would be able to start talking to doctors. You know, with the holiday, it would have been a delay to start, you know, getting things ready for her treatment. So that's how she found out about it. It was just by chance. And she assumed that it was not cancer initially. And we were just talking in the last segment about praying and the importance of prayer for persecuted believers around uh, the, the globe. Has she talked at all about because she's a public figure. She has a following. Has she talked at all about how these prayers have helped her? Yeah, she she said she's been feeling the prayers that everybody has been showering on her, you know, as she's been so open about this journey throughout. She's posted videos and photos and talked about the vulnerabilities, what it's going to be like, you know, to go through all of this. And she said that, you know, let me just read the quote. So what's so interesting about it is even though I have this diagnosis, I have felt God's love like never before, almost like I feel God comforting me in such a big way. And she talked about all the different ways that God did that through prayer, through chaplains at the hospital who prayed with her. Um, And she said, I know that this is happening for a reason. God is with me. I trust him. And she, again, she asked people for prayer. So if you're listening to this, put Nicole on your prayer list. She, she really is feeling the power of those prayers and the kind messages that she's been receiving on social media. Yeah. Keep the prayers coming. No doubt about it. And what's she doing to encourage a young woman or young women? And like, what is she telling them to do? 
Yeah, this part was interesting because she said, you know, normally, and I'm not a doctor, but most doctors, they say, look into a mammogram after 40, right? She was 37 last month when this happened. She turned 38 the week that she found out she had cancer. And she said, you know, I wish I would have gone and gotten an earlier mammogram before it was recommended because it would have been caught. Like I would have known sooner. Um, So she was encouraging young women to really consider getting screened before it's recommended by doctors and- Mm -hmm. You know, she said, if, even if I had an ultrasound of my chest, it, it could have saved my, you know, it could save my life. It could save other people's lives. So um, she, you know, and, and by the way, she's about to start treatment. They've kind of, it seems like there was a little bit of a delay in trying to figure out what the best treatment would be since it's a complicated um, case. I believe she said, I, I don't want to misquote her, but I believe she said that the type of cancer she has, it's like a 12% survival rate at five years. Mm. So we got to be praying for her. Yeah, no doubt about it. I don't think there's one of us out there who haven't been touched either directly or just a friend of a friend or a family member with cancer. It just, it's everywhere, unfortunately. And for whatever reason, this disease has been able to continue on without a cure being found right now. For the most part, all we can do is kind of contain it as best we can. And even then, you know, sometimes you're just at God's mercy at that point. And um, certainly, uh, we need to rally around those that we know and those that we don't know um, that are dealing with this, and that hopefully God that it points people towards God somehow uh, throughout all of this. Because obviously, we're not guaranteed anything on this earth, and it's eternity that we should have in view. And that's easier it's easier said than done when you're facing your mortality, right? But yes. um, we still we still have to do it. But all right, I appreciate you uh, bringing that story. Uh, to us on the podcast today, Billy, and we are going to head on over to the main thing now. And a Christian singer and worship leader, Pat Barrett, spoke with Trey about how he got into the music industry and how, as a believer, he makes sure the lyrics to his songs are rooted in scripture and sound theology. That conversation is today's main thing. Pat Barrett, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing today? I'm doing amazing. How are you doing? I am great. Look, it's awesome to talk to you because uh, so many of us as believers have heard so much of your music. I know Build My Life is a song uh, that I heard like as soon as it came out and has been kind of an anthem, I know, for so many Christians, even in a, in a worship setting as well. So talk a little bit about how you got into the music industry and what it's like to know that your music is, is really making an impact on the church. Oh, my gosh. Well, that's uh, even hearing hearing that phrase out loud is just mind boggling to me because I grew up I'm a pastor's kid grew up in a small non-denominational church in Atlanta Georgia and you know music has always been a big part of my life just because it was an interest but um, there's also been the, this faith element because the most music I ever heard growing up was in church the most singing I ever heard growing up was in church it was always like faith and you know the scriptures a message of jesus and there was always music and so i don't know when when i first um you know i don't know if i ever said out loud in my mind like i'm really interested in the music business but what i knew from a really early age is that i loved sitting down and playing a guitar i loved going through my dad's record collection i loved um later i'll say later in life I love looking back, like when you're a kid being forced to go to church, like you're there every Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday morning, Wednesday night, like you're going to be there. Women's luncheon, you're there, you know? Um, So I just, 
Yeah, it's funny. I look back now and I'm so appreciative of that upbringing, even, even though maybe in the moment as a kid, like I didn't fully understand it all, but I can look back and trace so much of what I'm doing now to that phase of my life stage, not phase stage of my life where my dad and my mom are modeling for me what it looks like to follow Jesus. And we had a faith community that showed by example, what it meant to love one another, even though they had pretty massive theological differences, like it was a true non-denominational small church and that was powerful and then also being in a room where people are singing things they really really believe like i think i was just so impacted by that growing up and so now you know i'm 38 and i'll be 39 in december and i'm i feel like i've been doing the same thing since i was 15 really (laughs) writing songs and and songs have always been a way of it's always been like a road of connection for me. It wasn't ever like, hey, I think I'm supposed to put out a CD because I play music and that's what you do. Like songwriting has always been an open door into um, honest conversations with God. And I think that's why I know whether or not music would have been like a vocation for me or my job or whatever, it it would always be a huge part of my life because I just found that to be such a, um, you know, a vulnerable way of talking with God and being honest. And, um, you know, I, and then every year that goes by, I'm like, okay, I think I love it more and more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I think songwriting is such an interesting thing. And whenever I get the chance to talk with a Christian artist, um, there's the added layer of, of course, when you're a songwriter, you want to be a good songwriter, regardless of the genre, regardless of the subject matter. And there, there are great songs that are secular and great songs that are faith-based. Uh, but when you're writing songs for the church and writing songs that end up becoming worship songs, you want to make sure that, of course, they're grounded and rooted in theology and are sound yeah. in what they're saying. Can you talk a little bit about that process of kind of merging your creativity as an artist, but also staying true to the scripture and what it says of the Lord? Yes, yes. I mean, that, you know, I actually love the way you just said that because I I grew up with the scriptures. My youth group growing up was not like, hey, guys, let's get in a room and like, what was the game? Chubby Bunny (laughs) or put an entire Happy Meal in a blender and drink it. You know, we didn't play those youth group games. We had, had like Bible homework as far back as I remember. So I like truly grew up like reading and studying the scriptures and so many songs that I write are honestly straight out of Psalms or, or something Jesus said, like this song, The Way, I, I Believe You're the Way, the Truth, the Life. That is the chorus. I didn't write those words. I'm not pretending to write those words. But there's something about singing singing those words that that gets it into your mind, of course, but can tunnel into your heart. And... I think there's always that that challenge, especially if as a songwriter, what you want to do, there's a couple things actually for me. Like I, I never am like going into a songwriting session or a song thinking, okay, what what does everybody in church need to sing? I'm not thinking that way. I'm usually thinking, what do I need to sing right now based on what's going on in my life? And sometimes those, you know, emerge out of scripture because it spoke to me in the moment. And sometimes it, it's, um, you know, uh, 
other language, but still obviously grounded in the last, you know, the last thing I want to do is just only sing about my feelings to God, even though I think there's a place for that. Psalms is filled with that, but I think there's also a place of singing the truth, regardless of the feelings and letting the feelings catch up, you know, in songwriting, you know, that's why they are emotional. There is feeling and there's, you know, awareness and there's um, sensitivity and there's, I think that's why, I think that's why Jesus is still so compelling is because in no way did he ever deny his, you know, his humanity. It was always a way of experiencing communion with God within the humanity of Christ. And I know that if I have a great high priest that can understand what I'm going through, then that most certainly means that he can handle every single emotion I feel on the spectrum. He can handle my angry moments. Most certainly, if you read the Psalms, you you read some pretty heavy um, emotional language in that writing. But because he's talking to God, it's a prayer. And so I think that's what's powerful. I think it's realizing that communion with God is is always available if we choose to take all the things that we feel regardless of what we feel and we just hand them over don't pretend like you don't have them like talk to god about them he can i think he can handle it pat barrett thank you so much the new album is shelter and it's out now you can get it wherever you get your music thanks so much for taking some time to talk with us all right, Trey, thanks for that conversation there. I think he was saying when he said, I think God can, he was speaking sort of tongue in cheek there, right? Like he's, he's yes, not like yeah. unsure yeah, if was, God can handle it, right? <laughs> <laughs> I just know you had to end the interview there. I'm sure you guys kept talking after that, but, um, but yeah, great interview there. Great perspective uh, for sure. Appreciate that. All right. That's going to leave us with time for one last thing here on the podcast today. We're going to take a look at Matthew 5, 7 through 10. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And uh, just fitting stuff, obviously Sermon on the Mount there. And the things that we can focus on and marinate on, again, with that eternity in view. Yeah, eternity is what <clears throat> is what matters most. It feels like it's the temporal things, but that's a powerful reminder when we face those struggles or when we see others facing them. Yeah, it's good to keep in mind what our priorities ought to be as believers. All right, that's going to do it for this Wednesday hump day edition of the Quick Start Podcast. Make sure, you know, I forgot to mention, guys, we got to make sure you, we have a new podcast out now, Newsmakers, and it's... Uh, once a day a great interview from uh billy and make sure you check that out i'll leave the link to that in this description of this podcast episode lord willing in that creek don't rise we shall return tomorrow with more god bless see you then